Hey everyone, this is Craig Horlbeck from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Join me, Danny Heifetz, and Danny Kelly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to help you win your draft, win your league, and most importantly, avoid that last place punishment. Follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a Labor Day weekend edition of New York, New York, where yours truly, J.J. Jasny-Stremski, back in the home compound right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And I'm not going to lie, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It's now basically a week after the Jastrzemski-Sanchez nuptials. And I'm still in many ways riding the high that is the wedding that I had. And I'm not going to bore you ad nauseum. You heard the podcast last week of me breaking it down every which way. But I guess I am trying to figure out, and maybe some of you out there listening can chime in on this in voicemails or when we do uh, a Twitter Spaces right after Giants-Cowboys in week one, and maybe we'll have some fun with that. Like, when do you come down off of that high? I don't know. Is it going to be this weekend? Is it going to be when football starts? But I'm still on it. That's number one. Number two, there's a lot cooking going into this Labor Day weekend for two baseball teams that have absolutely nothing to play for in the Yankees and the Mets, respectively. We know that. Their seasons are over and done with. But what the Mets and the Yankees decided to do 24 hours ago is refreshing. And simply put, it's much 
needed in order to grab our attention. Listen, football season rolls around. We know on Sundays and on Thursdays and on Monday nights, you're not going to have much time for the Yankees and the Mets. Guess what? With the position and the predicament they're in, for many of you, you're not going to have much time on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So both teams said, okay, we're out of it. Let's play some of our top prospects. Not in AAA. Let's give them a look for the final month of the year. It'll be Ronnie Mauricio for the Mets, who's been raking in AAA all year. I think there are a lot of Mets fans who are surprised that Mauricio did not get a chance to go and shine sooner. But I guess there were concerns about his defense. Listen, he's a super freak athletically. He has immense power. He has raw talent. Can that raw talent be harnessed now at the big league level? I think that's the million-dollar question with Mauricio. From a Yankee perspective, the Yankees go and take two guys, one specifically in Jason Dominguez, the Martian, who we've heard a whole lot about over the last couple of years. Let's be real. Jason Dominguez has been one of the more highly talked about Yankee prospects over the last 20 years. Whether he is going to amount to anything, who the hell knows, but we've known his name for years. He basically had a cup of coffee in AAA, raked at the end of his AA session, goes to AAA and hits the shit out of the ball, and the Yankees, give him credit, they say, okay, let's see if we can have a legitimate infusion of youth. Is part of this a money grab to try and get some people in the seats in the month of September, maybe, to some degree? Although, I don't know how many people are necessarily buying tickets to go and watch prospects on a non-contending team. That doesn't usually lead to a draw or, dare I say, a gate. But it's a wise course of action for the Yankees. Give Austin Wells a month behind the plate. See how he handles being a big league catcher. And give Dominguez a month to go play in the big league outfield to see if he can handle big league pitching and to see if he has a legitimate chance come next year to be a vital part of the 2024 New York Yankees. See, that's what the Mets and the Yankees are wisely doing now. They're acknowledging 2023 lost costs. Let's see if our youngsters can really help us next year and start moving that momentum in that direction. Now, the bad bit of news from a Yankee perspective today is the official end of Harrison Bader's tenure in a Yankee uniform. And why do I say it's a bad day and a sad day? You're going to have to look back on that trade as an L for Brian Cashman. I, I don't know how you don't. The Yankees traded Jordan Montgomery, who... Pitched great for the Cardinals down the stretch last year and has been a workhorse for St. Louis and Texas, respectively. To the point where Jordan Montgomery is going to go and get, I think, north of $100 million easy in free agency. He might get even more than that in free agency. Bader was great in the month of September, was even better in the month of October and had... A pretty epic Yankee playoff run in the Division Series and in the ALCS against the Houston Astros. But he didn't hit enough. 
Bottom line is, gets hurt way too much and doesn't hit enough. So the Yankees cutting their losses here, inevitable in the offseason. Here's my gripe and complaint with the Yankees. Say what you want about the Beta Montgomery trade. That's over, that's done with, that's revisionist history at this point. What I don't understand from a Yankee standpoint, to save a million or two bucks, now they're putting Harrison Bader on waivers. Why wasn't he traded at the end of July? I'm not saying the Yankees had a Scherzer or a Verlander that was going to command the sort of haul that the Mets got in return. They didn't necessarily have that. Did they have pieces that could have been appealing to contenders? Whether it's guys out of that bullpen, whether it's Harrison Bader. Yeah, they, they do have those sort of pieces. So to me, very befuddling that they don't go and get something in exchange and in return for Harrison Bader, knowing full well they were not bringing him back after this year. It's just bad front office work across the board by the Yankees. And I don't want to lose my mind yet because I'm going to save it for October when everything becomes official. I talked to somebody who's close to what's going on, covers the sport, very in tune with the Yankees. Then I see the Martino video the other day, and I basically want to take my throne and throw it off the fucking cliff lock in Rhode Island. That report was as tone deaf as it gets from a Yankee perspective. Again, talking about how great their process is, how Cashman is invincible, how Boone is invincible, how the Yankees feel really, really good about what they're doing. How about the, the quote from the unnamed Yankee source in Andy's story? Boone is an asset. Listen, I don't blame this year on Aaron Boone. To sit there and tell me that Aaron Boone is a quote-unquote asset after watching him manage the team since 2018, anybody who would believe that is clearly not watching the same games that I am watching. They're just not. So that, that, that's the sort of stuff that drives me to drink. But that is my biggest issue, and I've talked about it all summer all spring, year before, year before, the Yankees are like in their own little bubble. They are like so delusional to their situation and what's going on. It's rather laughable. It really is. But I reserve right to judge at the end of this season. I should keep it somewhat in check until we hit the offseason in early October, and we see what the franchise is going to decide to do. Um, one quick note, both teams got another quick hitters. I had a lot of stuff on my mind, so I want to get to it. One, I, I noticed nobody's killing Volpe anymore. The Yankees have had a lot of things go wrong this year. If you're going to sit there and tell me that Anthony Volpe is one of them, you're not paying attention. If this team was doing what they were supposed to be doing, up and down the lineup, certain guys hit the way that they were supposed to hit. Meaning Stanton, I know LeMayu was hit recently. He didn't for the first three and a half months. Judge missed time. On and on we go. Volpe goes 20-20 as a rookie. No, his batting average isn't as high as you would want it to be. Volpe has not been a problem. Volpe is going to be somebody that the Yankees can build and move forward with. So to see game time home run, game means nothing against the Detroit Tigers... It puts a smile on my face, though, because you've seen a young player gain more and more confidence and look far more comfortable doing his thing, playing everyday shortstop for the New York Yankees. 
There are a lot of questions about what that team is going to look like in 2024. I feel fairly confident. Six spot, seven spot in the order. Anthony Volpe is going to do his thing and is going to look that much better at this time next year. So I wanted to point that out. The other thing I wanted to point out, can we stop with this narrative about the Mets trading Pete Alonso? Can we stop? Doesn't this scream of August, there's nothing to talk about, therefore we have to talk about something? Steve Cohen has a gazillion dollars. Pete Alonso hits a lot of home runs and drives in a lot of runs. That to me is an asset. You take care of that asset. Case closed. You want to tell me this is a sour? Uh, all that stuff is so overblown and it's a whole lot to do about nothing. This team was a rotten mix all year. I didn't hear a peep about Alonzo last year when the Mets were winning games left and right and he was hitting dingers left and right. Anyone I talk to who's around the Mets, players, you name it, they love Alonzo. So, like, and I, I see stuff like this. It drives me up a freaking wall. Pete Alonzo should not go anywhere. should be a Met for life and take care of that. So, I've seen a lot of that the last few days. I even yelled at Licata when I saw him at my wedding. I go, Sal, you don't want Alonzo out of here. He goes, I didn't say that. I go, but come on, man. He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. So, this is why I am very grateful I don't have to do shows five days a week. Because when you have to do shows five days a week, you're in a position where, yeah, you got to find a way to fill material. I don't have to do that. So I, I can go all in for three days, do what I need to do, and we don't have to worry about discussing the idea of Pete Alonso wearing a different uniform. We are not discussing the idea of Pete wearing a different uniform because it shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen. We're one week away from the start of the NFL season. How beautiful is that? How beautiful is that? So on Sunday's show, we will have you covered every which way. We'll have our jet official pick for 2023. We will have our giant official pick for 2023. Will both New York teams find their way into the postseason? So in addition to what I'm going to give you with the jet pick and the giant pick, we'll go division by division. I have my five over-unders. We do that every year. Hopefully we have a winning record with those. I have locked them all in. They are saved in the phone. They will be unveiled on Sunday night's New York, New York. We've had a bunch of people on over these last couple weeks, so I'm sure you guys maybe can get a sense and get a feel for what direction I'm leaning in with a lot of these selections. But I feel pretty good, all things considered, uh, about the futures as we get set for this NFL season. So it's the most highly anticipated New York football season we've had in a long, long time. And it's here. I mean, football's here. College football Saturday. Uh, we got a big game in college football with LSU and Florida State. On Sunday, I mean, everything's cooking, everything's rocking. Gotta love it. All right, so before we do voicemails, gotta send a shout-out to the great Nick Aleftarakis, who is a good buddy of mine. I hadn't seen him in a couple of years. Long overdue. We had a marvelous time at his golf course today. It's the most picture-perfect, top-notch golf experience you're going to find. I played Liberty National. I did not chip in from the fescue like I did the first time for birdie. I drove the ball great. I mean, I didn't play as well as Nicky. I mean, Nicky was hitting the shit out of the ball. I mean, he was incredible today. I mean, he basically broke even, for goodness sakes. Me, it was a struggle when I ended up in those sand traps. The greens were tough. But my drive is exactly where it needs to be. I had a couple of pars. But forget about the score. The experience of playing that golf course is so cool. It's so picturesque. It's so fantastic. It's so fantastic. 
It's good to have a friend like Nikki, who is a class act across the board. So I am so glad that Paul Rosenberg and I got out. The picture will live. Uh, the polo fits. The hat I got doesn't fit. What else is new? But I wanted to thank my guy, Nikki. Officially, we got a big fall coming up across the board. His baseball teams are ready to go. Hopefully, I'm in the well, 90s at some point this autumn. I got a lot more time to play golf. Although, with all these podcasts we're going to be doing between New York, New York, and the Ringer Gambling Show, and everything we got going on, things are going to be absolutely insane. So, voicemails. I know I gave you a nice little diatribe there. Cliff, filling in for Stefan. Let's hear him, baby. Take it away. Hey, what's up, JJ? It's Peter Westchester here, man. This is going to be a real quick one for me today. Um, I just want to call it, what, 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 is, what happened with this Harrison Bader situation? You know what I mean? Like, we, got, we literally just now, now that he's gone over to the Reds, like, we gave Jordan Montgomery, uh, Montgomery away for nothing. For nothing. A big lefty starter. I mean, the guy's like, kind of like, almost a day since you left. I mean, these kind of guys don't grow on trees, man. We handed this guy away for nothing for a guy who was, pretty much a disappointment for, for his entire Yankee career. And instead of trading with the deadline and maybe getting something back for him, we're waving him for nothing. So another great job by Cashman, just a bang-up job right there. And then secondly, you know, that guy in the Red Sox, the left fielder, Yoshida, I mean, I know he's slumping right now, but this guy's a lefty bat. He's a left fielder. And for the most part, he's had a pretty decent season. I mean, where were the Yankees on this guy? Did we make a call to this guy? Like, are we even, like, is anybody awake in this organization, bro? It's like, it's nuts. Anyway, that's it for me, man. Have a great Labor Day. Talk soon. Pete, I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, looking at the Harrison Bader, Jordan Montgomery trade, you can't grade it a winning trade for Brian Cashman. You, you can't. Even with Bader's terrific postseason, Jordan Montgomery's been a workhorse for two years. And the Yankees just gave Harrison Bader away for nothing. <laughs> I'm not saying they would have gotten a top prospect in return for Harrison Bader. For nothing? Come on now. Absolutely absurd. Absolutely absurd. And bad front office managerial work. I mean, there's no other way around it. Harrison Bader should have been traded in late July. Once you decide as an organization you're not keeping him, the team was going nowhere, he should have been traded. Can't defend that in any way. Paul for the course. And, you know, now that Donaldson has been officially released, is it fair to say, by the way, that the Josh Donaldson trade with the Minnesota Twins for everything it symbolized, is the worst trade in the history of the Brian Cashman tenure? You, you find me a trade that's worse. Go through the docket. Go through the ledger. For the Yankees taking on that money, the player ended up being a total zero. They could have DFA'd Gary Sanchez. To get IKF was worth taking on $50 million of Josh Donaldson? I don't think so. Man, Seeing Corey Seager, and I think he wanted Texas, full disclosure, but then seeing Harper, too, in that Philly uniform. Bryce Harper, with his swing, should have been a freaking Yankee. How, how did the Yankees let Bryce Harper, whose dad idolized Mickey Mantle, didn't even make a call? Malpractice. Absolute malpractice. Who's next? JJ, what's going on? It's Tyler from Syracuse. First, uh, I saw your Instagram story. Have you gotten used to playing golf yet with the uh, wedding ring on your hand? Uh, I can't imagine. I know when my dad told me he got married, it was a big adjustment. So I'm curious if you've gotten that adjustment yet. Uh, also, congrats on the wedding. Everything looked awesome from all the photos I saw on Instagram. Uh, but the 
big question I want to ask you is about football season between the Giants and the Jets. Obviously, all the talk going to Aaron Rodgers and Daniel Jones and the quarterbacks and all the big names. But is there a under-the-radar guy on either team who you feel like hasn't gotten as much love during the offseason who could be a big boom player for either team during the course of the season. Like for me, I look at someone like Isaiah Hodgins, who could be a big boom guy for the Giants that might, he hasn't gotten a lot of run since the end of last season in terms of who we're talking about. But if he plays well, the Giants can go very, very far. Um, so I was curious in your thoughts. Congrats again on the wedding and, uh, it's the best time of the year. Football season's back, baby. Talk to you soon. Tyler, I appreciate that. You know, we've spent so much time the last eight weeks dissecting these two rosters. I almost feel as if it's impossible for anybody to be under the radar. It's impossible. Um, I'll give you one, though, on each team. I think the Jets are going to get unlikely contributions out of their tight ends. I think with the way this offense is set up, Garrett Wilson is obviously their alpha dog. We know that wide receiver. They have Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall, but then you look at the rest of the wide receiver room. It's Hardman, it's Lazard, it's Cobb, who's, of course, Aaron Rodgers' good buddy. But I think between Conklin and Uzama, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to like throwing those tight ends. And from a giant perspective, the guy everybody was raving about to me in camp. Raving. Now, whether or not he's going to be a player, who the hell knows? They said, JJ, watch out for this Paris Campbell. Speedy guy, played in Indianapolis last year. Somebody to keep an eye on. We'll come back. We'll set the stage for not only the start of this football season, but what kid are we most excited to see? Is it Mauricio? Is it Dominguez? Is it Wells? My buddy, Eamon McEnany, who also was a uh, wedding guest at the JJ Nuptials. So he could give you a little scouting report on what he saw last Friday. Uh, we'll have some fun with Eamon. That's coming your way next. Get out your game day gear because college football is back and FanDuel wants you to join in on the fun. Right now, all customers can get a no-sweat bet for week one. Just place a bet on any week one college football game and you'll get bonus bets back if you don't win. So a couple I like. South Carolina is a home dog getting two and a half against the Tar Heels of UNC. Done. Florida State getting two and a half against Big Bad LSU. Done. A couple home dogs start off the week. Sign me up right now. They'll be barking. There's so much you can bet on from money lines to spreads to over-unders and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash gamblers and kick off the college football season with America's number one sportsbook. 21 plus and present in select states. Refund issued is non-withdrawable. Bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max refund, $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. 
Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. I feel like I have this gentleman on basically to preview every New York sports season. We had him on before the start of the baseball season. We thought what a terrific year it was going to be. Hope we burn those tapes. And the Mets, <laughs> two playoff teams, all that good stuff. Eamon McEnany, let's take that tape and throw it in the garbage, dude. We were dreading long October nights with base, playoff baseball games, and now we got nothing in October. Well, I mean, can you think of a New York baseball summer that has been worse than this one? I can't. Uh, not in a long time. Obviously, the Yankees, when the Yankees were bad under Joe Girardi or missed the playoffs, you expected it. You know, for your lifetime, for the most part, as a fan, they've been really, really good. Uh, you know, I could go back to the Dallas Green Stump Merrill days with the Yankees. But to find a season where they were both expected to be really, really good and turned out to be really, really bad, I have no idea. I can, you have to go way back. And it's tough. You go through end of July, in August, in a late August, with meaningless baseball. Like, to your point, we've seen this with the Mets. We've been down this road with the Mets. And... It's a bitter pill to swallow because of Cohen and his money and having Scherzer and Verlander. But, like, there's a precedent. I can't think of a Yankee precedent for this, Eamon. In my lifetime, I don't have one. No, not when you completely bailed on the second half for the most part. I mean, they didn't bail, but the fan did. The fan was realistic. The Yankees, for some reason, I mean, I don't don't really knock them as much as everyone else does because I don't know how much they had to trade. They didn't have a Scherzer or Verlander or Canada trade. Um, But, you know, go back to Cohen. You mentioned Cohen. Like I really thought these kind of this kind of a year was a thing of the past. I never thought under Steve Cohen the Mets would have a season like this because I always was under the belief that if there's a problem, he'll go spend to fix it. Now I'm not saying he made a mistake. He was very rational when he met the media in Kansas City after he made these moves. I think he panicked a little bit on 2024, but he's like, look, you know, he looked at it and said Scherzer and Verlander aren't getting it done. They're making the most money. I they can bring the most back. So he made a very calculated decision. I take a look here and say, if I were a Met fan, and I understand they don't look this way, they think they're fine with all the prospects, you're punting on 2024 when you didn't have to. Scherzer and Verlander are going to be very good pitchers in 2024. Are they worth $43 million a year? Probably not, but they're going to be very good pitchers in 2024, and they're probably going to be better than anything you have at the top of the front line of your rotation. So, uh, But back to my point was, I never thought the Met fan would see a season like this under Steve Cohen, and he's completely changed his strategy now, and we're going to see in the offseason of 2024 if he can continue that, but he is really sort of backtracking and I think punting on 2024. I wonder how much of that is the changing landscape in baseball because you look at the teams that are really, really good. Yes, the Dodgers have star power. The Astros have star power, but you got to be young, man. I mean, that's what you're seeing up and down the sport if you don't have young, dynamic position players, it's tough to win. Like, the idea of winning with guys and building a team through free agency and free agency alone. See, that's, I think, what Cohen realized these first couple of years, Eamon. I can't just throw $10 zillion at a team and think it's a guaranteed slam dunk that I'm going to go and win a World Series. Now, you get certain guys that's going to help. They didn't necessarily have the opportunity to get, I don't know, Soto or this year, Otani, if he was Otani, he could pitch the whole deal, which he obviously cannot. But they haven't had that opportunity to go like all 2009 Yankees. You know what I mean? They didn't have right. those prime players necessarily available. He tried to do both, and he was very open that he tried to do both. He wanted to win a championship in three or five years while restocking the farm system. 
Now I think restocking the farm system has become more important than winning a championship. So he does want to get young. But that's very tough to do in New York, as we've discussed ad nauseum on SNY. Come June, July 2024, if you're 10 games out, that's a long second half in New York, especially when you, th- when you thought you'd be good. Now, they'll be competitive. I think, obviously, the core is there, and they'll go get a few free agent pitchers. They'll be competitive, but they're not going to – and they'll probably hover around But the around idea being the Braves spot. and the right. Dodgers, not a thing of that's the, not yeah, happening. That's not happening in 2020. And I got news for you. The Phillies are not going anywhere. They got the nothing are- out of Trey Turner for the first three months of the year. Now he's figured it out. Yep. Harper, by the way. We didn't talk about this. We should be bringing this up way more often on SNY, and I should be bringing it up more on the podcast. How did he not end up a Yankee? Harper, you I go mean, Harper, I go Machado. I mean, I can understand Harper because you want to say now, afterwards they made a mistake and went got John Carlos Stanton. Um, you know, you had the power hitter. How you putzed around at shortstop for so many years when Manny Machado was out there and barely even gave him a call. That's the one that I won't. See, that one bothers you more than the lefty sweet swing well, and Bryce no, Harper? No. I look, we all know what Bryce Harper And the father done. idolized Mick. Yeah, you know, come on, Jason, man. Everyone, everyone throws that one oh, Why not? Uh, everyone does. Look, no, Dad, look, I can't believe that didn't happen. But the rationale is we had Giancarlo Stanton. The Yankees had Giancarlo Stanton, right? When they made the trade, he was coming off an MVP year with 59 home runs. So do you need two sluggers? Of course Bryce Harper should have been a Yankee. Look, you mentioned 2009. They should all be Yankees, Okay. The Yankees should never get – George never got beat. George got Messina. He got Giambi. He got every toy basically, he wanted Basically, the only to. time he got beat is when a guy didn't want to come here like Maddox. That's right, basically but that was, it. But that was before they got good. Maddox and Bonds didn't want to come here, right? That was They weren't good. Once they got good, they all came if, they, if the Yankees wanted them. Giambi came. Messina came. You think Mike Messina really wanted no to come shot. to New York? Of course no not. Shot. But he wanted to be on the Yankees. Okay. Who – is in better shape for 2024. Forget about, forget about who's been a bigger flop because you could right. argue either one. They're right. both unmitigated disasters. If you had a buy stock right now, Eamon, it is August 31st. Yeah. 2024, I got a buy stock in either the Yankees or the Mets for next season. That's a very unconfident uh, purchase of the Yankees because of Rodone. Interesting. Okay. Because I th- if you have Cole and Rodone, you have two top pitchers. The Mets don't have that. Now, again, let's have this conversation in... February or March when we see who Steve Cohen goes and gets. But if I understand Radon's been a disaster. Don't get Massive. me wrong. Ma- you know, Massive. You know, you know, For year uh, one, you know, total flashbacks of Flashbacks of Ed Whitson. But if he can regain the form he had in San Francisco with the White Sox and why the Yankees are paying him, you have Cole and Radon at the top line of your rotation, which is better than what the Mets have. I think the lineup's going to be a disaster. You keep your fingers crossed if you're a Yankee fan that one of the older guys can find the fountain of youth and give you a respectable season. You know, it, can Rizzo Rizzo was having a great year before the uh, before the, the incident at first, the before he bumped into how much of his first base demise was the concussion? I think that's the million dollar question. I'm putting a lot of stock in that. How can you not? I think you have to. And the, and the, you know, look, we, you don't want to play doctor, but something was wrong. Clearly, something was clearly. You watch his at bats. What happened? He fell off the face of the earth. So, um, so I, I think it's the uh, I think it's the Yankees. And look, here's the thing, like. The Mets were really, really bad for really, really long this year. You know, you you marked that date after from the I don't have it in front of me now, but from like the middle of May until they waved the white flag in July. What's that? About two months. They were awful. They got off to a good start, you know. But then, you know, so I, there's something wrong there. And you know, you want everyone's gonna end up with good numbers, you know. But you're gonna like, who's the real Jeff McNeil? We love Francisco Lindor's numbers, but is he clutch? Like, and don't get me wrong, the Yankees have a ton of questions too. So, but you know, the the Mets were bad for a reason. It wasn't just Scherzer and Verlander. Okay, so there's something wrong 
it's something rotten, smelling rotten in Denmark there in, there in Queens where they, they did not, and they played bad baseball. It was like the, the weirdest thing. Year one under Buck, he's winning every challenge. He knows more about the rules than the umpires. He's out managing guys. They're a smart team. This year, they're just making brain-dead mistake after brain-dead brain dead mistake, and he's making mistakes. So it was all wrong for the Mets, and I don't know if you just say, okay, they're going to start fresh, and everything's going to be great next year. Okay, listen, you know it's a rotten season when September rolls around, and basically the prospect brigade is what you're getting excited about over the next couple of weeks, and let's be honest, that's all you have with the Yankees. That's all you have with the Mets. So I give you the three. Dominguez, Wells, Mauricio. Who are you the most intrigued to see? Well, I'm the most intrigued by Dominguez because he's got the nickname the well, Martian. Well, we've heard so much think, about him and I, like the and, last and, 10 years. Lost, but here's the other thing. We've heard that much about him. He sort of has this folklore thing going already with the nickname and his story. He only got nine games in AAA. Like, so I'm just intrigued at what he's going to see and if the Yankees are screwing this up by rushing him. Um, now, I'm not saying they are. I don't, I don't know how you handle prospects. I don't know the right way or the wrong way. But he's the one that's most intriguing, Mauricio, right behind, because he's been so good in AAA. And you've heard about him for so long. And you're just like, is he trade bait or is he the future? Because does he have a position? So can he come up here and open eyes so that he can be a massive trade chip in the offseason because they have nowhere to play him? Uh, those two, I don't know that much about Wells. I'm not, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing them, but it's Dominguez and Mauricio for me. Dominguez, really, because here's the thing. We're talking about sort of unwatchable baseball. If you're flipping around on the weekend, college football, tennis, Yankee game. Oh, Dominguez is up. I'm going to watch. Remote's, go, remote's going Bingo. down. Bingo. And then when, I don't know, somebody else in the lineup comes up, see you later. Oh, see you later. Um, I want to give Volpe credit because yeah. I think his year is not getting the sort of, and look, he was hitting 205 a month ago. I understand that. His presence in the lineup, if everything around the lineup was the way it was supposed to be, and we'd be celebrating 2020 like there's no tomorrow for this yeah, kid. Th that'd be a great year. My only fear about putting too much stock into his second half is, was it meaningless baseball? Right? See, I, I don't go there with him just because he's a rookie. You know what right, I mean? But I'm for just him, saying... I don't know if any of this is meaningless. It's his rookie yeah, but, year. First time yeah, I've seen he, him. I understand, but still... The pressure was off. The pressure was off the whole team. One, you know, once you realize you're not going to... Now, again, I'm just saying I, I have a hard time putting a whole lot of stock in September and August baseball when you're not playing meaningful games for a rookie or a veteran. So, look, I, clearly you like what you see. How can you not? But, you know, again, like you said, it wasn't that long ago that his average was barely over the Mendoza line. Okay. Football season coming up. Thank you. Uh, I've said Please. I've been saying it on this podcast for the last we have weeks. Something to talk about. Can they play every day? Yes, that would be nice. Can they play at three in the afternoon? That sounds Can we great. Get one too. of those games. Uh, I'm in <laughs> across the board. Although you have Notre Dame football to worry about, is there any fear factor for you? And I know it's not your rooting interest necessarily, but for your work interest, it definitely behooves our shows, and it behooves you and me and everyone if the Jets are alive and well. Do you have any? PTSD at all from what we've lived through with the Mets and the older pitchers to what we might see potentially with the older aging future Hall of Famer at quarterback? No. Not at all? No. I mean, obviously the way you set it up there, I mean, you're like, yeah, sure. But no, I think he looks good in camp. Now, look, he can get hurt. You know, look, he, he could get hurt. He could get, you know, uh, but I like what I see from him in camp. He's got plenty of weapons. 
mean, obviously you're asking him to be Aaron Rodgers, but I don't think he has to do heavy lifting because I think he's got players around him that can make plays. I like that once they get up and running and healthy, the one-two punch in the backfield is going to take some pressure off them. So I, I think the Jets, you know, if the offensive line has gelled and can stay healthy, I mean, Becton's a question mark. Vera Tucker was hurt last year. Dwayne Brown is about 80 years old. Um, you know, but if the offensive line can stay healthy and protect them, I, I think this is an AFC championship game team. I really wow. do. Wow, you think I, they're on that pedestal in the loaded AFC. I, what's the weakness? Just think defensively. Offensive line, definite weakness. Definite weakness. I'll, definite give, weakness. I'll give you another weakness. Linebackers. I'm going to go beyond that. Head coach. Uh, I mean, I'm concerned I don't about the head coach. I, I, yeah, I think I think questions still need to be answered. I, think I don't know about weakness. Probably yes. unfair, but when I'm right. kind of nitpicking. Two years ago, team, did you know anything about Zach Taylor? No, I didn't. Right. That's that's what I got. No, I to. give him credit because he put together a great staff, including Anna Rumo from Staten Island, who has been his defensive right. no, coordinator. Has right. been a whiz. Right. Like I'm with you on Salah. I'm not sold on him. I watch Hard Knocks. I think he's trying too hard, just in general. And I get that. Oh, by the way. Oh, we don't want to do hard knocks. We don't want to do hard knocks. We don't want to do hard knocks. Hey, coach, we want to videotape you driving to the game, and we're going to make it like the Sopranos. <laughs> oh, now you have no, now you have no problem with hard knocks. Oh, we don't want to oh, do hard man. knocks. You know, we don't want to do it. Uh, I'm not sold on Saul. I think he tries too hard. I think you have a very good point. Fourth quarter, brain, uh, you know, tight game. Head, yeah, a tight game going head to head with uh, Andy Reid, which you will be doing. Uh, Bill Belichick, which you know, uh, Belichick, you know. Uh, certainly I think it's a mismatch. But again, there are a lot of young coaches that are unproven. That's why I brought up, you know, Zach Taylor. No one knew anything about him, and he went to a Super Bowl. So, um, you know, uh, he could be a weakness. There's no doubt. There could be a fourth quarter where we're saying, this is Herman Edwards all over again, right? With the clock management and stuff like that. So, I, but I just think talent-wise, I look at that defense. If they can get to the quarterback. They got a ton of guys who could do it. ton of guys who can get to the quarterback, and you can't get rid of it quickly because the corners can't get beat. I think they're the two best corners in the country. In well, the, listen, the last league. year they were. They're right? Sauce Garner and DJ Rue was the best duo of corners so in the NFL. So who are you throwing at? So if you, if you can't get rid of it quickly because the card, corners aren't getting beaten, then you certainly can't sit in the pocket and wait for the deep ball to expose the safety. So I now, again, the linebackers, I think, you know, other than Mosley, you know, are, have, have, have to prove a lot. But I just think they're, I think they're really good. I, I, you know, I think they're, they're solid up and down that depth chart. Okay. Playoffs, not good enough. So you would oh. say... What defines success for the 2022 Jets? They go and win a playoff game. They had a good year, in my opinion. I'm giving them that. I mean, they haven't won a playoff game. No, no. no I, I, so, but I don't want to back in and win a wild card game. I want to win the division. And I'm not a Jet fan for anyone out there. I'm saying what makes a successful season for me. You know, Super Bowl or bust, I think, is too much. Win the division, win a playoff game, lose a hard-fought AFC championship game, everything's worth it. I think that's a great season. Some Jeff fans want Super Bowl. Well, I understand that. And there's only a limited shelf life for what you're going to get with this quarterback. Yeah. I, I think, think he will play next year. Yeah. But, but you are you getting beyond that? What is no. he looking no, two, like next you, year? You, you have get no two idea. years, you say thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you in case. All right, so AFC expectations. Interesting. Interesting. So I am finalizing my division picks. They will be unveiled on Sunday's pod. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm having a hard time. Having a hard time picking the AFC East because it's a tough division between my team and the improvements they've made. The Jets having Aaron Rodgers, and I almost feel as if Buffalo is kind of being overlooked a little bit. Last year, last year they were had, overrated. Well, last year, everybody had them in the Super Bowl last year. Yep, they lose Von Miller. They're not going to have them the first four games, but they lose Von Miller. The pass rush was not the same. Their secondary loses Poyer and Micah Hyde, and they were getting torched. They were not as good. Allen right. was turning the ball over. 
I actually kind of like them a little more this year because maybe there's a little chip on their shoulder. Nobody's talking about the Bills as much this year, Amon. Well, here's the thing. You know, I don't know the whole Bills season chapter and verse, but I know they were fortunate to beat your team on Christmas Eve or, oh, very, Christmas right or whatever Christmas it was. With two right before Christmas. And they split with the Jets. Could have lost both games. And Zach Wilson played quarterback. So... Again, we all know on any given Sunday, yada, yada, yada. But I just, the Bills did not strike me as up here and the rest of the AFC down here last year when they should have been last year. They should have dominated the Jets with Zach Wilson. They should have dominated, I think, the Dolphins at home in cold weather, and they did it. So, and then they petered out in the playoffs. So, at the end of last, look, teams have time to fix it. But at the end of last year, the Buffalo Bills were not the team everyone thought they would be in September. Okay. You're Giants. This is the team near and dear to your heart. They go to the playoffs last year. They exceed everybody's expectations with Brian Dable. They win a playoff game against an overrated Minnesota team. Hey, you win a playoff game on the That's road. That's a great year. Listen, the Giants year. making the playoffs, period, was yeah. a great year. Winning a playoff game made it an outstanding year for a first-year head coach. They played Philly, different weight class, they lose. Do you think they've closed the gap with the Eagles and the Cowboys? No. Not in the least? No. Uh, I think they closed the gap with the Cowboys. I don't think they closed the gap with the Eagles. I mean, now again... If Darren Waller stays healthy, you know, if you have to if you have to worry, if you actually have to worry about the Giants offense, that changes everything. Last year in that game, the Eagles did not have to worry about anybody. About, the, about anybody. Right. So, um, you know, if you actually have to worry about double teaming Darren Waller, so to speak, then that opens things up for Hyatt or Saquon or, you know, Paris Campbell or whoever. So, uh, but I still think, you know, playoff game in Philadelphia, the Eagles are going to win easily. Dallas, maybe they closed the gap. But those two games last year against the Cowboys, you know, I don't remember being white knucklers by any chance. The game on Thanksgiving was over once the Giants went for it on fourth down, if I remember. Early right. in the game. Early and then the first it. game they lost, remember they lost to Cooper Rush at quarterback. Right. Monday right. night game. Right. That's a good memory. Um, they have so to I play better they, in the division. Like that yeah, to me. They have to play better like, in the listen, division. Schedule was favorable last year. Yeah. They won a lot of close games. Schedule's going to be tougher. But I think they're more talented. Definitely more talented. So, more talent, tougher schedule. How do you get back to the playoffs? It helps, number one, you're in the NFC. And number two, I think it boils down to you've got to play better against Philly and Dallas. You you got to win a game against the Cowboys. You know, you got to sweep Washington. Four in the division. No, can't. Can't. And, you know, I I don't think Dallas is that great. You know, we've we've seen them stub their toes everywhere, every which way possible. But, you know, the Giants got to prove it on the field against them. Um, Will you be looking at the Giants and saying to yourself, it's a disappointment if they're not in the playoffs back-to-back years? Or are you yes. expecting, because a lot I'm of ex- signs would say regression, but right. I think the conference and the fact that I've fallen in love with the coach, Amon, I'm about to put that aside and say, I think they find their way. I really do. You know, you know, if we had this conversation in June, I would have agreed with you that if they don't make the playoffs, it's not the worst thing in the world. But now I got other people talking about, about talking them up. You know, I listen to Salicott on FAN and, Honda Sports Night, and he's got them being Super Bowl contenders. I think that's – let's pump the brakes on that. But, you know, a lot of people are high on the Giants, and they got talent. You know, again, you don't want to put it all on one guy, but Darren Waller's a game changer because that can open things up for the other wide receivers that they didn't have last year. I believe in Daniel Jones. I don't believe he's a Hall of Famer or a Pro Bowler, but I believe he's a franchise quarterback. Showed that last year. Showed that last year, and, it, you know – and I, but now he really has to show it because the apologists like me who would say, well, look who he's throwing the ball to. Well, That's out the window this year. That's out the window this no, year. No, they added talent. All right, before we say goodbye. He's also going to have to live up to it because he got paid in Saquon. Yes, today. he did. And people, people, are ch- people outside of this town, the Robert Griffin the thirds of the world, are chomping at the bit 
to hammer the Giants hey, for that hey, decision. Listen, it was the right decision. You pay a quarterback, you don't pay running backs. That's just all there is to it. One you had to pay, the other didn't, obviously. So, I mean, you complain all you want. The, the, and listen, they the did nothing the wrong sport. either by not picking up his option. They said, go prove it. He right. did. Okay, got to pay him. That's the way yep. the NFL works. Yep. Uh, final one. You were one of the many at the nuptials last week. So, everyone's scattering report is obviously going to be a little different. But what was the, the grand takeaway from the JJ wedding that you experienced last week? Did it live up to your expectations? Oh, it was a great time. Uh, the, uh, to your relief and your lovely bride's relief, thank goodness the weather was nice because that, that outdoor cocktail hour, that outdoor, <laughs> that outdoor cocktail hour was awesome and it would have been lousy inside. Uh, it was fun for me to sort of meet some of these WFAN people that I had heard about, you know, because so there's so much intermingling between WFAN and SNY. You hear all these names and you're like, oh, you're Lugauer. Oh, you're Marash. Or, you know, oh, you're that longtime call. You know, of course, to see Joe B for the first time in a long Breaking time since, down. since your golf outing. Uh, great music. We had a blast. Uber home down the LIE right to uh, the BQE over the Williamsburg Bridge, home in no time. So it lived up to the billing. It was a highlight of the summer and the year. It was an awesome opportunity and awesome fun. Glad you had a good time. You and the lovely wife were breaking it down on the dance floor. You guys. Well, we had to. Our table was right there. I was going to say, when the table's right there. <laughs> table's right there. Get on out there. Uh, hopefully, the next time I have you on, we are not recapping what has been a disastrous New York football season, and we're looking ahead to Jalen Brunson and the Knicks. So, hopefully, when we're looking ahead to Jalen Brunson and the Knicks, we have two how, alive and well football teams. How amazing is it for us now, for – so long, the football teams have been playing meaningless games by Halloween, and now they're saving us. They're saviors. I, I mean, saviors. Complete saviors. Crazy world. And I'm putting a Nick number one on my New York top 15 list. How about that? You putting Brunson over Aaron Rodgers? I put, well, Aaron Rodgers was excluded from the list because oh, he had okay. not played a game. Uh, okay. It's an August list, so we did it a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Uh, okay. I put him over Aaron Judge, though. After the year he had and after the year Judges had getting hurt over two months. I can't give Judge the award two years in a row. Boring. Judge is, Judge is still going to end up with great numbers. Of course he is. He's Aaron Judge. But guess what? Jalen Brunson won a playoff series with the Knicks. This is true. You know the standard. Amy McEnany, don't be a stranger. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> I see you every night. Don't be a stranger here. We'll talk later. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, Larry, I'm a married man now. Please, take it easy on me. I've had a rough time at Immaculate Grid. I've had a rough time with a whole lot. Come on. Golf game's a mess. Can't putt. Take it easy on my trivia. Let's hear it. Hey, Jay, Larry, there's two questions. This year, Acuna and Corbin Carroll both have 20 homers and 40 steals. Who was the last guy to do that? It happened in 2019. Second question is, last year, three quarterbacks had 4,000 yards passing, 25 touchdown passes, and at least five touchdowns rushing. Can you name them? I'm out. All right, three quarterbacks, 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, five rushing. I'm starting, Cliff, 
Josh Allen, choice number one. One down, two to go. I like it. One down, two to go. Number two was a legit MVP candidate last year. Plays down I-95 in Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts. Wow, Jalen Hurts did not have the... He didn't have the passing touchdowns or the rushing touchdowns. I'm stunned by that. I am stunned by that. Okay. Hmm. I felt so good about those first two. The third one was going to be a little tricky for me. The passing touchdowns and then the rushing is where it gets dicey. Choice number two, Joe Burrow. Two down, one to go. Wasn't sure about the rushing. Wasn't sure about the rushing. Two down, one to go. And then last but not least, got to go with the best player in the, in the sport, right? Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> no. See, I, 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 had a, I had a feeling. I had a feeling. Okay. So then if it's not Mahomes, five, what quarterback five? I think this is a little bit of a trick question. Is it Geno Smith? <laughs> it's not Geno Smith. Jeez, jeez, I felt good about this too. I felt good about this. Not good. Not good. I need one more. Lamar Jackson. <laughs> nah, he didn't get to 25 touchdowns. There's no shot. All right. 25 passing touchdowns, five rushing touchdowns. Take one more shot at this, and I'm waving the white flag. Is it Justin Herbert? <laughs> Cliff, who's the last answer? I don't even know. Trevor Lawrence. Ah, sunshine. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right, so two out of three ain't bad. All right. Then you got to go back to the 2040 question. Acuna and Carroll 2040, the last guy to do it in 2019. Somebody steals a ton of bases. Monster year. Jose Altuve. Okay. Quiff, as a hint, would you tell me it is an American or a National League player? It is an American League player. Mookie Betts. Not Mookie Betts. Not Jose Altuve. Jose Ramirez. Getting massacred here. Very tough. Mike Trout. I'm waving a white flag. Who do we got, Cliff? Jonathan VR. I never in a million years. You could have given me 100 guesses on that. Larry, I never in a million years would have pulled that off. So, job well done. That was cruel. Job, job well done. Before we say goodbye, Jeff Money, let's hear it. Uh, Action for the weekend. The floor is yours. JJ, Jeff Money here with a handicapper pick. This would be for Friday and Saturday. We're one week away to the NFL, so I got uh, MLB action for you on Friday, and we got college football on Saturday. So started out on Friday in the MLB. I'm going to go to the Milwaukee Brewers plus the 110 over the Philadelphia Phillies. And they're also going to take the Texas Rangers minus the 135 over the Minnesota Twins. On Saturday in college football, I got three plays. I'm going to go with Texas Tech minus the 14 over Wyoming. I'm also going to take UCLA minus the 14 and a half over Coastal Carolina. And I'm going to take Penn State minus the 20 and a half over West Virginia again. On Friday, Major League Baseball, I'm going to take the Brewers and the Rangers. 
And on Saturday, I'm going to take Texas Tech minus the 14, UCLA minus the 14 and a half, and Penn State minus the 20 and a half. And let's see what you got on your end, JJ. And everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. All right, Jeff Bunny, uh, I'm with you laying the points with Penn State on Saturday. I like South Carolina getting the two and a half at home against UNC. Ranked team on the road, home dog like the sound of that. And then the last one I like, give me the Seminoles. The Florida State Seminoles to me getting two and a half against LSU. LSU with a couple of late scratches. Seminoles at home. Everybody on the LSU bandwagon, I'll go the other way there out of the gate. So South Carolina, Penn State, and the Seminoles plays for me in this Saturday of college football. Sunday's pod, we'll have you covered. NFL preview every which way. Divisions, over-unders, who's going to the Super Bowl. That's our last pod before week one. How cool is that? On that note, JJ out. Want to thank Cliff. Outstanding job filling in for Stefan. We will chat on Sunday. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend. Be good, everybody. Must be 21 plus at present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas. Under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-NOT-WAIT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.